Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Pat Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bokris. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltadors. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. I am Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Oaks Oilers. It's Joe Bryan. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Face-off, 50-50, that's it. Minnesota Nice. Minnesota Duluth, national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Frolunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Well, happy weekend, and welcome to another edition of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I am Guy Flaming, and I want to take a second to welcome you. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Pipeline Show. If you're a returning uh, listener and uh, are back for more, well, I certainly welcome you back as well. As always, we start with the question of of the day, brought to you by the Edmonton Oil Kings, who are getting set to take on the Red Deer Rebels in a home-and-home this weekend. Part one of that series is uh, tonight. In Edmonton, the uh, Rebels will host the uh, back half of the home-and-home on Saturday. And a pretty key matchup, of course. We've been talking about how tight the uh, standings are in the uh, WHL Central Division. And uh, as we look right now, the Oil Kings are still in first place with 72 points, but Lethbridge hot on their heels with uh, just one win back and have a game in hand. They play that game. Well, maybe not the game in hand, but they play tonight against uh, the... Uh, Medicine Hat Tigers, who are also still very, very uh, close to things. Uh, five points back of Edmonton right now, but a win tonight against Lethbridge would put them uh, one point closer to the Hurricanes. Then you've got the Calgary Hitmen, who are in Regina. They're only two points back of Medicine Hat, and Red Deer right there, two points back of Calgary. So by the time uh, tonight is all done, we could see things get even tighter in the Central Division. And now you can't count with the Brandon Weekings, who have pulled even with Red Deer if the playoffs started uh, tomorrow. Well, the Rebels would be in, but by the hair of their uh, teeth, it has become that close. Uh, Brandon is at home tonight to the Saskatoon Blades, who are absolutely on fire right now. 11-0-2 run uh, that the Blades are on. But if you want to get tickets to uh, watch the Oil Kings in action uh, this weekend, tonight, against the Rebels, you can go to oilkings.ca, click on the tickets portion on the toolbar, and uh, go from there if uh, you want to go down to Red Deer. And uh, watch the second half of the game. You can certainly do that as well. And uh, the Centrum is a fantastic place to to watch a junior hockey game. So I highly recommend you do that. I'll be down there as well, of course, uh, with the Oil King broadcast. And the Rebels always do a great job of hosting as well. The question of the day, and I put it up on Twitter just a few minutes ago, uh, much like we did this time last week, uh, asking which uh, club from the OHL you wanted to hear more about. Uh, This time it's the USHL. If there's a story or a team or a player, or something like that you want to know more about, let me know which team he's with, and I will endeavor to get a player, or the GM, or the coach, or the broadcaster uh, of that club uh, on the show next week. I'll do my best to set that up. Uh, So let me know on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. Mark has said he wants to hear about the Lincoln Stars and how uh, Netminder uh, Halavage is doing, 
And uh, right now, I'm I'm a little surprised Mark wants to know more about that because uh, Lincoln is a dead last right now in the Western Conference, and that particular goaltender uh, is only playing about uh, a quarter of the games and has only won two uh, of the 12 starts that he's been in. But sure, I could get John Hall, uh, GM there, and, and Lincoln on the show. Uh, but you let me know. And uh, maybe on Monday, I'll look to see which team has got the most mentions, and uh, I will take it. From there, last week the question was uh, which OHL team you wanted to hear from, and about an hour after I uh, put the question out, the news broke uh, about the heavy sanctions uh, levied against the Niagara Ice Dogs for whatever reasons we still don't know. We might not know for a long time, maybe until after the season, but uh, pretty stiff fines, $250,000 and a pair of first-round picks. And you got to keep in mind that in the Ontario Hockey League, you can't trade first-round assets, so or uh, picks at least. So it's not like, uh, well, next year they could trade a bunch of the uh, the roster that they currently have uh, to recoup those picks. And they've also traded away most of their second-round picks for the next several years because they were loading up this season. So uh, pretty heavy uh, fines and penalties here for Niagara for whatever they did. And what did they do? Don't really know. Well, I have a guest coming on who's a lot closer to the, uh, the story, uh, so I'll put that question to him. Uh, and uh, see what he has to say. But, you know, I've heard lots of different uh, stories, which, you know, because I don't know how factual or uh, inaccurate they could be, I'm not going to mention them specifically. But uh, I think the first thing everybody thinks of is, well, they're paying players under the table. And if that's the case, then that's not allowed. And the team should be uh, hammered uh, with penalties, as they have been. But I don't, again, I don't know if that's what the uh, the rules were that they broke. If it was, well, I don't know. I it's it just opens the door up to so much speculation but you know if it's uh refusing to pay uh, somebody's uh, uh scholarship package well that obviously is hugely against the rules um so a team should be uh penalized severely and niagara has been but again don't know if that was what they did in this case whatever it is obviously the league has uh, found reason enough to levy such a huge penalty against the niagara ice dogs Hopefully we'll find out exactly what the situation was before uh, too much longer. On the ice, uh, in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, the Brooks Bandits just keep on winning. They're up to 29 in a row now. And uh, this weekend, they take on um, their home to the Camrose Kodiaks uh, tonight. And uh, tomorrow, they're in Calgary to play the Canucks. They uh, beat the Mustangs of Calgary a couple of days ago by a score of 3-1. They pounded Olds last week. Uh, eight nothing or eight one, pardon me. Bandits also uh, beat the Camrose Kodiaks in Camrose by a score of five two. That just last week as well. So the Bandits are on a roll. Just four games left in the regular season uh, for Brooks. Uh, those two that I mentioned, uh, plus they end it two games against Okotoks, a home at home uh, next weekend. Probably be the toughest two for them to finish out the schedule that they have uh, remaining. Speaking of hot teams, uh, you look no further than uh, the number one ranked team in the Canadian Hockey League, and that is the Roy Noranda Huskies, who have now uh, racked up their streak to 19 straight uh, victories. They now have an eight-point uh, gap between they and the Drummondville Voltageur, and that is going into tonight's action. The Huskies are at home to uh, Cape Breton, which is a good team as well, so uh, it won't be an easy task for Roy Noranda tonight, but uh, certainly the at home, they will be the heavy favorites in that one. Meanwhile, Drummondville does not play tonight. They're at home. 
to Moncton this weekend on Saturday and uh, Shakutimi on Sunday. Anyway, that's all the news and notes I was going to pass on today. I want to get right to the uh, guest list. Uh, here's what's coming down the pipe today. Mentioned the Niagara Ice Dogs, and we were going to get somebody on from around that organization, or at least that's covering the team. And Steve Clark is the play-by-play voice on TV for the Niagara Ice Dogs. So you're going to hear from him. We'll obviously uh, talk about the uh, the penalties and the sanctions against the Ice Dogs, uh, what he knows about the story, and then we'll get into uh, the team on the ice and will all this be a big uh, distraction for them as they get ready for the uh, playoff drive. From there, we'll uh, go to our friends at HockeyProspect.com. This week, Dustin Braxma is my guest. He's going to tell us about uh, a trio of uh, U.S. high schoolers, a couple of USHL guys, and one player who's already in the NCAA this year. So six guys you're going to learn more about in that segment. And then we'll end it with a pair of 2019 Draft Spotlight segments, uh, starting with Alex Vlasic. He's a big, big defenseman with the U.S. National Program. He's headed to uh, Boston University next year, but I will say the London Knights also uh, hold his uh, Canadian Hockey League rights, and that uh, was a subject that came up, and Alex uh, weighed in on that. And we'll end it with uh, Ethan Anders, who is a netminder with the Red Deer Rebels, so timely that uh, he'll be coming, uh, well, he's coming to my backyard here in in Edmonton. Uh, But in my mind, a a goaltender who gets overlooked a lot. He's uh, ranked number 13 by NHL Central Scouting, but a lot of people probably outside the WHL aren't familiar with Ethan Anders. Uh, So you'll get to know more about him uh, in the final segment today. So that's the guest list. Four guests you're going to hear from. We'll kick it off with Steve Clark. Voice uh, on TV for the Niagara Ice Dogs of the Ontario Hockey League. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Here's Perlini. Perlini loads it up and he scores! Hey, it's Brendan Perlini from Niagara Ice Dogs and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. I'm getting ready to play hooky, and my teachers are encouraging me to. In fact, they're even helping me arrange it. Hockey hooky, that is. Your Edmonton Oil Kings are getting up bright and early this Tuesday, February 26th, for an 11 a.m. puck drop at Rogers Place against the Swift Current Broncos, presented by CN. It's the 10th annual Hockey Hooky this Tuesday. Thousands of students just like me will be enjoying great Western Hockey League action starting at just 20 bucks a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. This is the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and it's another CHL Insider segment. For this, we head out to the Ontario Hockey League, and a TV play-by-play voice of the Niagara Ice Dogs is my guest. That's Steve Clark. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Steve, how are things? Uh, things are great, uh, Guy. Great to talk to you. I think it's been a couple of years, hasn't it, it? It has been a while, that's for sure. But uh, lots to talk about as this team is uh, red hot right now. And obviously there's some uh, other news around the club as well. And I polled my audience last week and, and asked which OHL uh, club I wanted to get a play-by-play guy from. And uh, almost about an hour after I posted the poll, then this news came out. And, of course, everybody wants to <laughs> an update. The problem is there really isn't much of an update. I mean, from the outside looking in, the the uh, outside of the respective uh, news releases, one from the league, one from the team, there's really been no details that have come out. What 
what do you know that you can tell us or, or share with us uh, outside of just, you know, speculation? Yeah, I understand here, Guy. I'm not being evasive. I'm not being, you know, a good corporate guy because, you know, I'm not – I call games for the team, but I'm not affiliated with the team. But basically what you have learned on the release by the Ontario Hockey League and the response by the Niagara Ice Dogs is the story. Anything else is conjecture and speculation and something for uh, other people and investigative reporters to chase. But, you know, everybody saw, you know, the the headline, um, two first-round draft picks, 2019-2021, fine. The response by the Ice Dogs doesn't involve any of the current administration, and they're going to appeal. And when you have an appeal process, then a lot of the information is suppressed, and teams will go through the process of filing their appeal, whatever that is. And, and then another decision will be handed down at a different date. So, I, I mean, I know, you know, people are looking for specifics, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it really has been circle the wagons, and there's no information that, that has come out that I can really definitively comment on. I, I go back to uh, the Portland Winterhawks situation out here in the WHL from, I want to say it was 2013, 2014, somewhere in there, uh, and it took forever for anything to come out, and I don't know if we've still got the full story of what happened there, and, the, the fines that were handed out to the Winterhawks were huge compared to, I mean, it was for, so, so according to the league, cell phones uh, supplied to players and, and plane tickets for parents. So it's, it's become somewhat of a running joke out here. Um, and you go back to what happened with the Windsor Spitfires before that even. And I, I, off the top of my head, I don't remember all the, uh, the circumstances from that, but similar punishment here. So we assume it's something big, but we don't know how big and, uh, when I look at the Portland situation, I still think it's they got hammered for what the league knew, but maybe couldn't necessarily prove. Um, and I don't know if that's something similar that we might hear see here. But how significant of a penalty is this for the Ice Dogs moving forward? Well, I mean, obviously, you take a look at the monetary figure, and, and any any franchise, you take that amount of money, you know, and have to pay up, then then that is uh, significant. Really, the focus on the players' uh, side of things and the hockey operations side of things. Well, you know. You, you lose 2019 draft picks, you lose 2021 draft picks. So let's start with those first rounders, great players, elite players. You know, the Ice Dogs have drafted in the middle of the first round for the past few years and have uh, had excellent success. Ben Jones, a Vegas draft pick, already signed with them. Akil Thomas, you know, outstanding player, was drafted middle of that first round, and he signed by the LA Kings and was a second round pick. The list goes on and on of players they've been able to significantly you know, that's significantly added to their team. So, yeah, it's a quality player. This year's draft pick, probably bottom third of the first round, uh, somewhere around that 14 to 20 mark, which means a great prospect, but not one of the elite top 10 prospects, but still a significant loss. They keep their 2020 first round, and then you're really into wild speculation if you're looking at what happens in 2021, because that's a couple of years down the road. And you know, you know how cyclical, uh, you know, junior hockey can be. Who knows what? situation the ice dogs are, are, are going to be in now the one thing you know you can't acquire first round picks in the ontario hockey league so right. the ice dogs will have no first round picks there so they're going to have to be creative in the hockey operations department and look at free agents and look at unearthing some gems in other rounds yeah and that's a great point that you make uh, because i you have to remind uh, the folks who are listening maybe from the from out east or from out west here or south of the border you can't acquire first round picks in the ohl so you might look and say well okay They've got so many drafted players, NHL-affiliated players. They're going for it this year. They can recoup all those losses by trading two or three guys next year. Not necessarily the case. So no. these are pretty big uh, penalties here uh, for the Niagara Ice Dogs. Now, uh, this year's club looks really, really good. 
Is this a distraction that those players could be affected by? Well, I, I think, you know, this is one thing that the Ice Dogs have done very, very well. They basically, you know, I think their attitude is, okay, this is going on off the ice and this is going on for the future of the franchise. But for the current Niagara Ice Dogs team, the 2018-2019 team, no, it's business as usual on the ice. And since this news has come down, um, they, they're two and one. They beat uh, Erie Otters in Erie eight to one, so a very decisive victory. Lost a close five four game to Sudbury, a team they're fighting for first place in 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 the Central Division of the Ontario Hockey League, and then rebounded and beat Peterborough five two. So they're two and one since this news has broken, and there has been really no let up in terms of the Ice Dogs in terms of their play. You know, on the ice, and in fact, I mean, they broke off a four-game losing streak with that victory against Erie on on Saturday night. So that was good. They've won two out of three since you know after losing four straight. So I have seen no distractions on the ice, and I think that's exactly how the Ice Dogs want it. Okay, you focus on this year. You focus on the run you want to make towards a league championship and whatever else happens after. What is happening off the ice is not the concern of the the personnel on the ice. Steve Clark, TV play-by-play voice of the Niagara Ice Dogs, my guest. You can hear those games or watch those games, rather, on your TV, Niagara. Uh, all right, let's look at some of these players on this team. Of course, the Ice Dogs loaded up for the, the trade deadline, getting Jason Robertson uh, from the Kingston Frontenacs. He was really good in Kingston. He had 38 points in 24 games. He's got 54 points in 26 games in Niagara, so... He was good in Kingston, but he's been really, really good with the Niagara Ice Dogs. Why the big difference? Well, I mean, Kingston is a team that struggled to put the puck in the net, and I think he was somewhere around 40% of their goal production, which is staggering when you think about it when he was traded from Kingston. And then with the Niagara Ice Dogs, you simply have surrounded him with very, very good forwards. The Ice Dogs have an enviable top six. Everybody in the Ontario Hockey League knows that. They've got a lot of skill, Colonel Maximoff and Edmonds Noilers, draft pick Ben Jones, and Kill Thomas, the Vegas LA draft picks, which I talked about as well. Jack Studnika was another acquisition, second round Boston pick. So these are the types of guys that Jason Robertson is playing with and also playing with on lines and five on five and also during the power play. And then you add in the fact that you've got a highly, highly skilled player and, and you equal the statistical production that uh, Jason Robertson has been able to accumulate since joining the Ice Dogs. He is a tremendous player to watch. Uh, second round draft pick of the Dallas Stars and certainly a guy who will make an impact at the pro level next year and in subsequent years. What a what a treat he's been to uh, call games for this year. Just had his little brother on the show uh, last week, draft-eligible uh, Nick Robertson from the Peterborough Peets. Yeah, he'll be pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been a fun player to watch for sure. I saw him in Red Deer. I also saw Phil Tomasino in Red Deer. Really enjoyed the conversation that I had with him. Uh, tell my audience a bit about uh, Phil Tomasino and what sort of a player he is, because you look at his numbers again, 60 points in 55 games as a draft eligible player. Pretty, uh, pretty strong season. Yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, he was the one guy I mentioned. I forgot he was one of those first round draft picks in the middle of the first round that the Ice Dogs have been able to develop. Had a pretty quiet uh, rookie year, D, you know, kind of finding his way uh, with the team and, uh, but really has made the leap this year. And a lot of people will say, well, it's because he's playing with excellent players. And that simply isn't true. He started ascending when Akil Thomas was injured and he stepped into a frontline role and, and really has taken it since there. And if you have a chance to look at Phil Tomasino highlights, and I, I encourage anybody to do so, is that this guy has scored a few jaw-dropping, spectacular, highlight reel type of goals this year. He's that type of player. He's electric. You kind of get up off your seat when you see him go, and he can skate, and he can pass. And he's starting to round out those other facets of his game to become the 200-foot player we know that teams like. But the offensive skill is enviable. He's got 29 goals, you know, this year. 
uh, on a team that has a lot of offense and really is a creative offensive player with a tremendous amount of upside. He was full value for going to, to Red Deer, and he's one of those guys who could climb and get drafted late first round uh, after really being, I'd say, a little bit of an afterthought, but certainly not being highly ranked at the beginning of the year. Uh, you mentioned Kirill Maximov, uh, Edmonton earlier prospect. I should ask you a little bit more about him and just yep. what sort of development or evolution you've seen from him over the last couple of years. Kirill's worst enemy is himself, right? And, and what I mean by that is he has a tendency to uh, take some undisciplined penalties. That's the only negative I can say about, say about Kirill Maximov because over his years with the Ice Dogs, He's really developed into a physical force, and that's been really pleasant to see. He has over 100 penalty minutes this year. He's not afraid to mix it up. And, again, a highly skilled player, back-to-back, what, 35 goals or will approach 35 goals this year, uh, over a point-of-game guy. And I think the Edmonton Oilers fans are going to be really happy to have this guy in their in their system next year. He'll probably play down in California in the American Hockey League. My guess is, though, he can come back to the Ontario Hockey League. I don't see him having much more to accomplish in the Ontario Hockey League, a fun guy to watch. He's got a great shot, and he can really actually distribute the puck. He's another guy whose ascendancy has been kind of staggering to watch because they picked him up from Saginaw a couple of years ago. He played well for Niagara, but the last couple of years he's taken that next step. And you know those guys who just look like a pro. Yeah, Colonel Maximoff looks like a pro. Yeah, six foot three and closing in on two hundred pounds looks like a a pro frame uh, for sure. Uh, tell me about the blue line because I look at it and. Three drafted players, all uh, all three of them seventh round picks, not necessarily household names that people across the country are going to recognize, but it's a lot of beef on this blue line. Uh, can you kind of describe the the group as a whole? Yeah, they're they're a well rounded group, and I think if there's you know a, a, a position that the Ice Dogs you know could have addressed a little bit more, it might have been the defense. And I'm not saying that it's a bad defense; it's a very good defense. But when I look at like uh, the Ottawa 67s. And a couple of the other challengers as well. They're and London Knights in the Western Conference. Their defenses are elite. But I mean, they you know they got Jacob Paquette along with Robertson. He's a great uh, kind of meat and potatoes stay-at-home defenseman. Nashville draft pick. The guy that Western Hockey League people may have heard of is Daniel Bukach. He played a couple of years out, I believe, in uh, Brandon yeah, with, with the Wheat Kings. Yeah. yeah, and then and then when it entered the import draft, and the Ice Dogs picked them up. And and yeah, the rest of the guys are. Uh, kind of have their role. Elijah Roberts, a former second-round pick in the Ontario Hockey League, good steady defenseman in the fourth year. You know, a couple of uh, overager in Jonathan Schaefer, who plays a good but aggressive game. So, yeah, a little bit of a, a lunch pail type of uh, grouping. But, uh, I mean, Matt Brassard picked up from Oshawa is, is, is probably their best defenseman offensive force and a decent defender. But, no, they're not elite level, but they're very good. And then when it comes to goaltending, you can't win without solid net minding. Does Stephen Dillon give them that sort of uh... – uh, strength down the, in between the pipes. It, it, it's funny because um, if you pay attention and take a look at the fan forums, which I like to go to occasionally, you know, just to t- t- kind of take the temperature of what the fan base is saying, or at least the hardcore fans are, yeah. is that the Ice Dogs have a liability in goal, which is patently ridiculous. Stephen uh, Dillon is, is a workhorse. He, he, he's in his overage year, but doesn't have an NHL contract. And a lot of people kind of wonder why. That is because his, the improvement in his game has been noticeable. He was outstanding in the playoffs last year for Niagara and was the reason that, uh, you know, Hamilton was carried to five very tough games with three of those games coming in, in overtime. This year he has been, again, very, very good. One or two bad games like all goaltenders have and a guy who's ready to have uh, make an impact in the playoffs. The Ice Dogs have no issues in goal whatsoever as long as Stephen Dillon is manning the net. Steve Clark is my guest. He's the TV, TV play-by-play voice of the Niagara Ice Dogs. Uh, just a couple more for you, uh, Stephen. I appreciate your time. 
Um, the Ice Dogs currently in a pretty good battle with the Sudbury Wolves for a top spot in the uh, Central Division. Now, the OHL playoff format is a 1v8 in the conference. Uh, so right now they, they have the, uh, the second overall spot, uh, because of, uh, the, uh, uh, being tops of their division. Just how important is home ice advantage? And, and when you look at that battle between Niagara and Sudbury, you see one team as, uh, the better down the stretch? Well, it's massively important. And, and if you take a look at the teams on paper, Talon alone, it should be Niagara. They're a more talented team than Sudbury. But Sudbury's won four out of the five matchups against Niagara. Of course, they've got outstanding goaltending. Anuka Pekka-Lukkanen, who was uh, Finland's goaltender in the World Junior Championships this year. And, and they're some of their parts team. You won't see too many of their players in the top 20. But they've got some real good, strong players. couple draft eligible, couple drafted already. Uh, so they're a very good team, and, and they're full value for their position. It's really important for whoever wins the division because then they slip into a two-seat. And that's big because if you don't win the division – you could slip into the four seed, which, number one, potentially puts you into a tough matchup with a Mississauga Steelhead team that has been elevating despite trading two of their best players at the trade deadline. Yeah. And it also puts you in the bomb sides of the Ottawa 67s, who simply, I look at their lineup, they don't have a weakness. And their full value for having by far the best victory, or the best record, I should say, in the OHL here this year. So pivotal for whoever wins that division. I still think it's going to be Niagara. They have a little bit of an easier schedule. They've got one more game against Sudbury. They should win, but Sudbury, you know, a lot of people thought they'd go away, and they haven't, and there's a good reason for that. Well, and I guess the last question, since you brought up Ottawa, my question was going to be, can anybody uh, take them down? Um, they would cer- Anybody else would certainly be the underdog going into that series, but a club like Niagara that did load up for the deadline, you give them a puncher's chance of uh, uh, in a series against the 67s? Oh, I do. Uh, there's a couple of things. I mean, the Ottawa won three out of four against Niagara this year. But again, how much do you read into regular season matchups? Uh, I don't read a whole lot into it. You know, uh, Niagara's had Ottawa's number in the playoffs the last uh, couple times. And I realize, obviously, the players are different. But there is something in which, you know, a franchise could have a little bit of a hold over Ottawa. So, yeah, I do think they have a puncher's chance. But the Ottawa 67s, you know, they have Mikey DiPietro as their starting goalie. Their backup, Cedric Andre, was the starter for most of the year and could be the start- starter for most playoff teams in the OHL. Uh, they don't have any weaknesses on defense. They're led by Noel Hofenmeyer and Kevin Ball, a couple of NHL drafted picks. And then forwards, I mean, they've got Ty Felliber, an overager, who scored 50 goals, and I think he hit the 50-goal plateau in January. Hmm. So he could hit 70 by the end of the season. And then they added a couple perfect overagers, from Barry and Lucas Chioto and also Kyle Maximovich from Erie to really add depth to that offense. And they had a guy, Sasha Chimilevsky, um, a great player, played for the U.S. Uh, during the World Juniors. He scored five goals in the game against North Bay. So they're, they're getting scoring from all over the place. There's not a weakness. They're well coached by Andre Turney. To say that they're a tough out would be an understatement. Yeah, and they're on fire. 14 wins in their last 15 games, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Steve, listen, great rundown of uh, everything happening in Niagara. And uh, we'll keep our ears out and eyes out uh, for any other updates that happen. Uh, probably something uh, maybe comes out at the end of the season or after the playoffs or, or something like that. But uh, appreciate you joining me today, Steve. Good to catch up. Yeah, looking forward to the fun down the stretch and all of the, uh, the, 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 this is where I start paying attention, Guy, to, uh, all of, you know, the CHL and start looking at Western Hockey League and Quebec League teams as well as we move towards, obviously, May and the Memorial Cup in Halifax. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's Steve Clark, TV play-by-play man for the Niagara Ice Dogs, who were in action yesterday. That would be Thursday, in case, uh, depending on what today you're, uh, happening to be listening to the show. Uh, but they stomped the uh, Kitchener Rangers 10-2 to 
So, yeah, any off-ice distractions certainly didn't seem to affect the Ice Dogs in that game. Uh, More, I'm sure, will come out about uh, exactly the infractions and the rules that uh, the Ice Dogs broke. But uh, until then, I really can't do anything but speculate, and that's probably not fair either. So uh, we will revisit that story if and when uh, details come out. We go from the Niagara Ice Dogs of the Ontario Hockey League to uh, our friends at HockeyProspect.com. Dustin Braxma is my guest from uh, HP. This week, he's going to tell us about uh, a trio of high school players in the U.S. I believe all three are in Minnesota. Uh, a couple of uh, USHL guys and uh, one player who's already in the NCAA, also playing in Minnesota. We'll tell you about those guys when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. And we're back with Dustin Braxma after this. Hamblers win the draw. Mackey with it now. Blue line for Middlestead. Bardot shoots and scores! Casey Middlestead from the far dot. And the Gamblers lead 2-1. That's a power play goal for Casey Middlestead. It's Casey Middlestead from the Green Bay Gamblers. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Talent, development, NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. It's the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We like to uh, visit our friends at HockeyProspect.com throughout the season, get the inside scoop on some players that we need to know for the 2019 NHL Draft. Pleasure to be joined once again by Dustin Braxma from HockeyProspect.com. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Dustin. Thanks for doing this. How are things? Yeah, things are well. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Um, huh? We're just trying to dodge this insane weather we're having up here, but other than that, things are well. Now, what neck of the woods are you in? Where are you? I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, and we've just been getting pummeled with snow the last couple of weeks. Oh, we're, they're running out of places to put it. <laughs> you're getting snow. Uh, everybody, a lot of other places are getting cold. It's been really cold here. Uh, you getting the cold, too? We had that before the snow. Yep. That's right. We're getting a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, we saw that. I saw the uh, the people throwing water in the air in Chicago and stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the hockey and uh, lots of guys we want to chat about today on the pipeline show. We're going to start off with a couple of high school kids, and one of them is Rhett Pitlick, who I I noticed right away with uh, your most recent uh, top thirty one at HockeyProspect.com coming in right at thirty one and. Uh, this is a guy you guys have identified as uh, maybe somebody who was off the radar earlier in the year, but uh, you guys have certainly picked up on him now. Tell me why. Yeah, it, it comes from increased viewings, really. Um, I saw him in the fall um, playing like uh, Elite League, which is basically a Minnesota high school all-star league, basically, and he was just okay. But, um, you know, those teams, they're not playing with their normal players, and it's a little bit strange for them to get going in that league. So as the viewings kicked up with his team in Chaska and you started to see his skill and his speed and how he can create, um, we just kind of ticked up the viewings on him. And it, 
in a draft where there doesn't seem to be a lot of elite offensive skill, and I don't really want to call him elite, but he has more offensive skill than a lot of other guys at the top end of the draft. So um, it's somebody that we wanted to put on the radar, and it's somebody that's rising in our rankings for sure. I, um, I can't remember one person on our staff that really – had a bad report on him. So um, I just saw him last weekend when I was up in Minnesota, um, and he was fantastic. I think he had four assists in the game. Um, he's a speedy player. He, he plays with a lot of speed, and he can match his skill with his speed, which uh, makes him really dynamic with the puck. If you want to like pick apart his game a little bit, he doesn't really compete quite as hard as he could to get the puck, but he has it all the time. So um, he's just a creator in the offensive zone. He has good vision. He can kind of um, hop in and out of holes in the offensive end, and um, he can create a lot of space for his teammates. So uh, he's a player that's rising for us. Um, I'm not sure if he'll stay at 31 or if he'll move up or move back. Um, kind of, I'm going to try to see him a couple more times here, and hopefully he gets to the USHL here at the end of the year once his high school season because I think um, to see him against some older competition would um, – would certainly help us out in figuring out exactly where we want to slot him in our final rankings. Well, I'm glad you say that because that's where I was going to go next. Is I mean, he just turned 18, but 18 years old, he's got 61 points in 25 games of playing high school hockey. It almost it, it makes me wonder: is he being challenged? Is he just too good for that level? Why isn't he in the USHL at this point? I know it's Minnesota, and that's got its own hockey yeah. culture. But when you're mm-hmm. trying to compare him to USHL guys, or he's in Minnesota, so he's WHL territory guys in mm-hmm. that would be playing up here is that a difficult task to do and i guess when you say you hope you see him in the ushl at the end of the year i'm guessing it is a challenge well it is because it's not that the competition's weak as far as like across the board um i saw him against the dyna which is a top team and he still had, was able to make plays and still create so even against the elite programs in minnesota some programs that really can throw two three lines at you and two two pairs of defensemen at you, he was still able to um, do what he does best and, and convert. I think he had a four assist game versus a Dino who's the top team in the state. So, um, you know, it, it, you just have to pick your spots and when to watch him. And, you know, in the USHL, you know, you never know. He, it may, he may not really produce very well in the USHL when he gets there. It's, it's strange to him. It's a different league. He's not playing with the same players he's been playing with three months in. Mm-hmm. So you have to take that with a little bit of green assault as well, where, you know, just because he's not performing at the USHL level in the spring doesn't mean that he's not the player you thought he was. It's a different situation for him. He's away from home. He's away from the people he's been playing with for three or four years. So you have to factor all that in as well. Having said that, you'd like to see him play against you know, deeper teams, which is what I've tried to find in the schedule in the high school ranks, and it'll be easier to find in the fall if he joins uh, the USHL. Yeah, that makes sense. He's got a teammate at Chaska that uh, we're going to chat about as well. His name is Mike Coster. He's a defenseman, though, but again, putting up a ton of points. He's got 59 points in 24 games as a defenseman. Uh, he turns 18 in a couple of months, uh, so before the draft. But uh, what, do, what can you tell me about Coster? I saw him one game at the Helenka Gretzky Cup. This past summer, can't say he really did anything memorable in that outing, but again, right. one game. So uh, what can you yeah. tell me about him? Well, he's a puck-moving defenseman. He's a little bit undersized. I think he's probably 5'10 or 5'11, and that's maybe putting it generously. So, um, But he gets up in the play. Um, he he can create. He can end-to-end rush the puck. Um, he doesn't hold on to it longer than he has to. A lot of times he'll, he'll gain zones 
as much as he can and then try to get the puck up to his forwards. So it's not like he's, he's going end to end every shift or anything like that, but he's a puck mover and he's very, he's very skilled. So he can, he can beat guys one-on-one. He can buy time and, um, his skating probably, if if you want to talk about a five ten defenseman, it's probably not as dynamic as you'd like it to be. But he's a pretty mobile, and he has the hands and feet that can allow him to be elusive and avoid the forecheck and get the pucks out of his own end. Um, probably lacks some top end speed and explosiveness at this stage, but he still needs to add. And he still needs to get stronger, and he still needs to add some strength in his lower body. And his skating could he could add some explosiveness down the road, but as far as an undersized defense, and he probably doesn't have the footwork you you'd like out of if you were going to draft him real high, but he's a player that um, I've followed all year. I haven't checked him off my list or anything like that. So it's a player that stuck around that I, that I want to, I want to see more of. Um, and he can certainly create offense. Uh, his shot gets through from the point. Um, if you want to, his defensive game, he, he's a little soft in front of his own net and in puck battles. He kind of uses his skill to win the puck rather than using body leverage or being physical on guys. So you'd like to see him uh, use a little bit more grit and play with a little bit more of an edge at times. But he's a very offensive. He's a guy that's probably going to rack up a ton of points in college. He's, he's going to run the power play at the University of Minnesota when he gets there. Um, and he's going to be a fun player to watch, I think. So more of a, a mid to late round pick though, but uh, that could actually a couple of years from now look like a pretty solid fifth or sixth round kind of guy. Yeah, I think you know you know you don't want to pull the comparison game, but undersized defensemen like that they're going to take time, right? So you know I think uh, a team there's going to be a couple teams that really like his skill set and are going to are going to take him based on that, and then they're going to let him develop in college. They're not going to rush him. It's not going to be a one or two year thing. They're going to let him develop his all around game let him get stronger, which he's going to need to do. Um, and it's going to be a long-term project for anybody that drafts him, but there's just too much skill there to ignore. Well, his teammate next year will be Ben Brinkman, who is with the Minnesota Golden Gophers this year. He's a late 2000-born player, early October, so uh, just missed last year's draft by uh, about three weeks. Uh, not an offensive guy, at least not yet at the collegiate level. What can you tell me about Brinkman? Yeah, um, he's a player I've saw a ton of over the last couple of years, both in Minnesota High School, out of Edina High School, and um, saw him quite a bit at Minnesota this year, too, with uh, kind of catching Minnesota games while I'm up there doing Minnesota High School. So, um, you know, he's more offensively gifted than his points will dictate to you. He plays, I haven't seen him play a shift on the power play. I mean, he maybe got one here or there, but he gets zero power play time. I think he put up close to 60 points in Minnesota high school in like 30 games last year. So he has offensive skill. He has a big shot from the point, but there's been nights when I've watched the Gophers and he's been their best defenseman. He has good gap. He has, he has good footwork. He's defensively minded. He, he can seal guys off, keep people out of the middle of the ice. Um, he, he's really smart with his stick. He's, he's just—he's been a really solid piece. Obviously, there's been some growing pains. He could still be playing Minnesota high school. He he elected to escalate his schooling and join uh, the Gophers this year, so he could still be playing for Adina this year. And I can't imagine how good that team would be with him there. But um, you know, if you want to talk about some uh, two defensemen that were drafted by Ottawa last year, Jacob Bernard Docker and um, Johnny Tukonic out yeah. of the BCHL. You know, Johnny has five points through, you know, this point of the season for North Dakota. And, um, you know, he, he was known as a pretty offensive-minded 
defensemen as well. So it's not easy for these young kids to put up points at the college level. So I kind of, you kind of got to ignore that, especially in Brinkman's case, because he's not getting a lot of offensive opportunities, but um, he's, he's been able to, you know, do some good work on the penalty kill and for a seven, well, kid, I guess he just turned 18 in the fall for an 18 year old. He's adapted really well for college hockey. And um, I think he's going to go higher than a lot of people think. That's just my personal opinion. Um, our staff across the board probably isn't as high on him as I am right now, but um, I think there's going to be one or two teams that um, kind of can see through it and are going to take him a lot higher than uh, some people think. He's kind of fallen off a lot of people's radar this year just because the offensive output hasn't been there. All right, well, we'll watch for that. Uh, that's Ben Brinkman. Uh, joined by Dustin Braxma from HockeyProspect.com. Go to that website to stay up to date on everything you need to know for the 2019 NHL Draft. Uh, let's go to Ryder Donovan, another high school kid. He's playing uh, in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, now this is a big forward. He's listed at six four and one hundred and ninety five ish pounds, at least on the sheet that I'm looking at. Uh, and uh, he is going to the University of Wisconsin, so you'll get to see a lot of him uh, starting next year. But uh, what you've seen from him in high school, what sort of impression does he make on you? Well, he's he's a little bit of a different player to try to figure out because his team is not nearly as good this year as they were last year. I saw him last year in. He was much more, his points were through the roof. He was much more dynamic. But this year, he's forced to do a lot of the lifting himself. He plays, I don't know, over half a game. I mean, he's he's running the point on the power play. He's playing on the penalty kill. But what I really like about Donovan is obviously his size. He's not fully physically there yet. He's only 195 pounds or so. But his skating stride is deceptively quick. Like, it doesn't look like he's putting a lot of effort into it. He, he just kind of, but he gets there and um, he closes on people really fast. He has a long reach and he can kind of eat up ice down the middle. Um, I think his offensive skill, he has a, he has the ability to get the puck into scoring areas. I mean, you could, he'll have a defenseman on him and he'll just kind of do a little pivot off and throw the puck to, you know, and I, I saw him a couple of times, maybe like a month ago during a game, maybe two months ago. I can't really remember when it was, but he just kind of evaporated. The guy, the fenceman was on his back. He just kind of turned and he threw a beautiful backhand pass to the slot and his teammate just couldn't finish on the chance. So, you know, those are points that, you know, you kind of give them on the scout sheet, but it doesn't show up on the game sheet. You know what I mean? So um, I think there's a lot of uh, raw talent there. Um, I think he, he needs to harness it a little bit. He needs to develop. He's a little bit of a raw prospect, but he has a big shot. And he has a big one-timer. Um, I think there's some upside there. I think he's gonna he's another one where he's kind of fallen off the radar because of his points dipped. Yeah. But um, um, I think uh, he just switched his commitment to University of Wisconsin. I think he's gonna he is another player that's gonna take some time. I think at the college level, I don't think he's gonna be like a one and done type of player. I think he, he's gonna need some coaching and to get stronger. But um, there's some really intriguing raw tools there that I like about his game. Uh, and he's another late birthday, early October as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, but, so I, actually, I'm a little surprised that his points aren't better than what they are. You, you mentioned he was on a much better, much his team was much stronger uh, last year, and uh, he's doing he's yeah. the he's the go-to guy this year. Still, at 37 points doesn't wow me. Um, so we'll see mm-hmm. see how that uh, evolves uh, for him over the rest of the season. Uh, let's go to a couple guys in the USHL and Bobby Brink, one of the. Uh, highly ranked guys uh, for the 2019 draft out of that league. That's not with the program. Uh, you guys mm-hmm. have 15th right now uh, in your top 31. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is a guy, obviously, who has impressed you. Yeah, he has. Um, 
we were kind of cautious on him to start the season um, just because we wanted to see him. He's not the biggest kid. I think he's 5'8", five, 5'9", five, something like that. And up until now, we had only seen him play you know, Minnesota High School last year for Minnetonka, and then he played a couple of games with the national team development under-17 team, I think, last year in the playoffs. So um, we wanted to kind of hold off to see what he could do against older competition, and he took off from the season, from the start of the season, and he's just gotten better and better. Um, highly skilled player, but the thing that stands out most about him is his hockey sense, his hockey smarts. He knows where to be on the ice. And then you combine that with like his work ethic and um, how he doesn't give up on pucks and you just have a dynamic offensive player. And, you know, he went down with an injury for about a month there. He was out of the lineup and you could tell that that team struggled and his line struggled to produce without him on it. So I know a lot of people were wondering, was it Martin Pospisil, who's a Calgary draft pick, who's driving that line? Was it Marcus Kelly-on-Kelly, who came over from Finland? Who was driving that line? But when he went out of the lineup, it was pretty evident that he was an integral part of that team, and that's why we have him ranked so high, is his his, um, his ability to score big goals. Um, he, he tends to have another gear when he needs to, and he can turn it on, and he can make things happen. So, um, we instantly moved him up and he stayed right there. Um, and I, you know, it's going to take something drastic as far as players below him, um, to move him out of his spot, I think. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see him at the World Junior A Challenge, but ended up leading that tournament in scoring. It's only six games, but he had eight points and he had the same amount of points as, uh, Vasily Podkolzin, who's, uh, ranked obviously in the, uh, in the top five for the, uh, the draft this year. So that's a yeah. notable, uh, a development for him this season as well. Um, you mentioned the size. Is it a concern? Or are we at that point now in this day and age where size, we're looking past that? I think we're getting to that point now. I think if you're, if you're starting to, you know, when you want to factor in size to the other parts of his game, maybe you can kind of compare, okay, give this skill set to a 6'2 person versus a 5'8 person. Are you going to, are you going to take the 6'2 person? You know what I mean? But other than that, it's really not because, um, his compete level and his hockey sense, and he knows where to be. I think we're past that. If you're if you're drafting pure on size, I think you're doing a, you're doing yourself a disservice. in in 2019, like even five six years ago, I could think you know yeah you're gonna you're gonna, you got to look for size. You know it's it's tough to find a first round draft pick that's under six feet. There's usually one or two of them a year, mm-hmm. but I think that's gonna tick up. I, I just think um, the game's changing, and you have to be able to get around. You have to be able to skate. You have to be able to um, get to those areas quicker now, and um, it's not so much the size as it's the it's the hockey sense and the speed. Well, Bobby Brink, you have at 15 at this point uh, for the uh, 2019 NHL Draft. Uh, at 21 is Ryan Johnson, defenseman with the uh, Sioux Falls Stampede. Uh, he's got you know, average size, six foot, uh, and but not uh, not very thick yet. Only 160ish pounds, 165 somewhere in there. But another future uh, Golden Gopher. So. The Gophers uh, recruiting uh, looks like is a uh, uh, pretty good once again. Uh, tell me about Ryan Johnson and why he's a first rounder for you. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't know we had so many Gopher commits on our <laughs> list here, but um, yeah, he's um, he's a fantastic skater. That's the first thing you notice. Obviously, I think that's well documented how well his skating is. He just like had a growth spurt within the last year, year and a half. Because I remember I saw him play midget last year, and he was nowhere near six feet tall. So. Um, he, he sprouted up, so obviously he needs to, you know, strengthen up yet, but his mobility and the way he uses his skating and defending and keeping his gap is excellent. He, he's a fantastic defenseman. 
Um, I think he's starting to find his way offensively in the USHL. I don't think he's completely there yet. Um, comparing his game to midget, which, you know, is tough to do, but he was up and down the ice a lot more. And he just seems more, at least in my viewings of him this year, he seems more tentative, I guess would be a good word, to jump in the play or lead the rush up ice. So um, I think his points would be a little bit higher if he was more aggressive offensively, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have the offensive skill because he certainly has the footwork and the hockey smarts to, you know, open up lanes from the point. And um, I think he's still trying to figure out his way in the USHL, but um, his skating and his defensive positioning and just the tools and the hands he has, um, make him, you know, he has a high ceiling going forward for sure. All right. I may have sold him short on the, not short, but the light. I may have been light on him. Uh, the USHL website has him at 162 pounds, but the updated uh, list from Central Scouting has him at 173 pounds. So he may have okay. uh, put on a little bit here over the course of mm-hmm. the season. Uh, all right. Well, that's a terrific rundown on a, a bunch of the guys who, uh, we need to know for the 2019 draft uh, out of the USHL or some high school guys as well. Uh, before the draft, I'm sure we'll have you on at least one more time and a bunch of other USHL guys that we need to talk about as well. Dustin, as always, terrific uh, to get a chance to chat with you once again. What's uh, coming up next at HockeyProspect.com? Well, right now we're kind of uh, in the midst of limiting our lists a little bit and trying to get trying to get more viewings on the players higher in our rankings. You know, I think we kind of got it figured out. Um, our final rankings will be coming out shortly. I think in the next week or two, um, we want our final rankings up until the black book coming out. So wow. we're all trying to we're all trying to jam in some extra viewings before we send Mark our updated rankings here. Um, just to try to, you know, we want to get, you know, as close, as many viewings as possible before we send him where we're at. So, you know, we're going to have our new rankings coming out and then it's all about, you know, getting dialed in the, in the spring here and, um, trying to get in, uh, up our, up our viewings on the top guys and try to get our, um, you know, the top 31 and the top 62 get the most publicity, right? So you want to make sure you get those, um, you want to get those as dialed in as you can. So that's kind of where we're going forward right now. Awesome. Hope we can call you again in a couple of months. Appreciate it. Thanks, Keith. This is Dustin Braxma from HockeyProspect.com with uh, half a dozen guys that uh, you need to know a bit better for the 2019 NHL draft. And it uh, brings us up to speed on those guys. And always great to uh, talk to the uh, scouts from HockeyProspect.com because you know they're in the rank and actually watching these guys and not just watching them on video or on their uh, computers at home or something like that. Red Pitlick, Mike Coster, Ben Brickman, Brinkman, excuse me, Bobby Brink, Ryder Donovan, and Ryan Johnson. A couple of those guys could be first round picks in uh, Brink and uh, Johnson. We'll see how it all unfolds, though, as uh, June comes around. But between now and then, uh, make sure you go to hockeyprospect.com and consider uh, signing up for one of their packages. You can also see the uh, top 31 for free at hockeyprospect.com. And make sure you uh, check out the Black Book when it is available because the Black Book is uh, it is the benchmark for the industry. That's for sure. Fantastic. It is a uh, great volume of information that any draft junkie can't do without. Speaking of the NHL draft, we're going to end the show with a pair of 2019 draft spotlight segments. The first is with uh, Alex Vlasic, big defense with the, with the U.S. National Development Team, the U18 squad, and a guy who's generating lots of hype as a potential uh, first-round pick, maybe probable first-round pick. Big defenseman, six foot six, Alex Vlasic. Hear from him next here on the Pipeline Show. 
Hey, this is Jack Rosovic from the U18 national team. Clayton Keller. Hey, this is JC Comfer. Hey, it's Joel Farabee from Team USA. Hi, I'm Hudson Fashing. Hi, it's Brady Shea. Hey, this is John Gibson from Team USA. This is Jordan Greenway. This is Matias Samuelson. Hey, this is Sonny Milano from the US NTDP. This is Oliver Wallstrom. Hi, this is Alex Tuck. This is Ryan Lindgren. Hi, I'm Steven Santini, and I play for the U18 national team. How's it going? Kate Fitzgerald with the national team. Hey, it's Austin Matthews. Hi, this is Jacob Truba from the USA Under-18 national team development program, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. It's the cheapest drug there is. This is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we turn on the 2019 draft spotlight once again, and uh, we return to the U.S. National Development Team. Uh, we're going to be doing this a lot this season. We've already had three or four guys on, probably have four or five more to go after my next guest, and that's Alex Vlasic, big defenseman uh, with Team USA. Welcome to The Pipeline Show. Alex, thanks for doing this. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well, but uh, it's not my NHL draft year like it is for you. So exciting times for you. Very busy, though, as well with the, uh, of course, with the program, you have that international schedule uh, component into what you do uh, all season long. And you, you guys just getting back from another European trip. How was that? Uh, it was a lot of fun over in, uh, in Russia. You know, we didn't get the, uh, didn't get the results that we, uh, we wanted, but I think we, we definitely learned a lot from that experience. And, uh, we're definitely going to carry it, carry it up in, uh, April when we, uh, we go to Sweden for U18 World, so uh, I think our whole team's uh, excited and pumped for uh, what's, to, what's to come. This really is a special year for the program. I, I mean, I've seen people who are kind of half-jokingly saying more, almost the entire roster is going to get drafted this year, and, and that doesn't happen every season. What makes this, this group so special? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we, we definitely have a lot of skill and talent on the team, but um, I think one thing that sticks out to me is just like how close we are as a team. Uh, I've never been closer with a group of guys in my life. Uh, any team, any team I've played on, uh, you know, I think these, these guys that I'm playing with, like they're my brothers out there. So I think that's a, that's a special part of our game where, you know, we're playing for each other. We're, we'll take the body. We'll take a puck to the, puck to the face that we have to do for one another. And I think that's just kind of, kind of what sets us apart from everyone else is that we all know what we have to do and, and we're ready to sacrifice ourselves for, for the, the greater good. Tell me about this season for you on an individual uh, perspective. I, I mean, I'm guessing you're pretty happy with the way things have gone, but how have you sort of evolved as a player as well? Um, yeah, I think, you know, since we've been playing, you know, as you said, USHL teams, you're playing guys a little bit older than us, a little bit stronger. Um, and to the, and then, uh, this year we mixed in some, some college games. So we're playing against guys that are, you know, 22, 23 years old. Uh, yeah. it's a lot different than, you know, what we've been used to, especially when we go over international. Uh, it's helped a lot with, uh, you know, strength and developing, developing new muscles and, you know, making sure that you're, you know, getting low on pucks and beating guys to battles because when you're playing against, when you're playing against guys and, uh, you know, over, overseas and international, no one's going to be backing off easily. You know, everyone's going 100%. So 
that's a de- that's a definitely an aspect of my game that I've improved is just you know getting getting dirty in the corners, getting like becoming a grinder, and uh, I think that's that's one thing that our whole team has done well. It's very unique uh, the schedule that you guys have that um, nobody else gets to play three different level of uh, of competition like that uh, in their uh, at this stage of their career. Uh, I always ask guys from the program which they prefer, which opponent they prefer, the USHL guys, the college guys, or the international schedule. And I get various answers. What about you? Do you have a preference? Um, I think I think it's really cool playing against colleges. Um, you know, it's probably, in my opinion, I think it's like the hardest out of uh, all three, just because you know these guys are so much older, so much stronger than us, um, and it's just kind of like a new experience playing playing these guys that are grown men. Um, I think, like I said, you know, it's probably the probably the toughest, but I think it's the most fun. Like the atmospheres in, in these college ranks, the the students bring to the game, and it's just. It's just a, a, a incredible like atmosphere when you get there. Yeah, and you'll get that experience on a regular basis here shortly. We'll uh, talk about that in a little bit. Alex Vlasic, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2019 Draft Spotlight. Uh, for the uh, benefit of my audience, uh, which is across North America and, and into Europe a bit, um, not everybody's going to be familiar with you. Uh, let's get a bit of background, if you don't mind. Where are you from? I'm from Chicago, Illinois. It's a sub. Uh, I live in a suburb of Chicago, actually, so it's about like 30 minutes out of the city. Okay. Uh, and do you remember how old you were when you first started getting into hockey? Uh, yeah, I was about uh, three, I think, when I first started skating. So oh. Oh, you know, a year after that, probably around like four or five, I started playing hockey, playing in the youth leagues at uh, my hometown, my home rink. Now, what got you into hockey at that early age? Uh, my my dad's side uh, of his family, he's uh, you know, got a Canadian background, so there's obviously some hockey that's going to be mixed in there. Um, he played hockey when he was a kid. Uh, I'm the youngest of three, and both of my older siblings played hockey, so okay, uh, that, that kind of got me into it. Okay, I know uh, your cousin is Mark Edward Velasic, who plays uh, with the uh, San Jose Sharks, but uh, I don't know if that's like distant cousin or first cousin. How, how close is that relation? Yeah, he's uh, he's my my dad's nephew, so. He's my first cousin, yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool just to have someone like that when I, when he was uh, when he was doing well. I think he started playing the Sharks when he was like eighteen, nineteen. Uh, I've always been looking up to him ever since I was a kid. You know, watching him play on TV, and it's it's cool to have someone that close to you to like see see someone go like so far with the sport and be so successful. Does that have anything to do with why you're a defenseman? You're a big guy, um, but I don't know if you were always the biggest kid in class or anything like that. But have you have you always played on the blue line? Uh, yeah, I pretty much stuck to uh, defense, uh, like throughout most of my career. I definitely I played forward for for a good like one to two years, I think, when it was like mites and squirts around there. Right. Just because you know, like I think everybody's kind of switching positions around at that age, but. I think once once the hockey started to get a little better and people started becoming uh, you know a little bit bigger as well, uh, I moved back to the blue line because that's just where I felt most comfortable. Uh, getting the, a chance to play for the program was that something that was kind of always on your uh, to do list, or did it come to you uh, later in your uh, amateur career? Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, like my dad, my dad brought it up one time because I used to play against Nick Popedio. He's he's got a an older brother who played at the program, so. We kind of knew we kind of knew about it through that, um, and that's kind of like the first time I heard about it, and uh, started like following up uh, up on like the team and everything about it, and it just sounded like a incredible like program and experience that I wanted to be a part of, and got the invite to top forty camp. You know, came down, uh, made the team, and it was just uh, a dream come true for for me as well as like my family. It's just kind of a huge like 
huge stopping point in my career. So, uh, Alex Vlasic, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, uh, your defensive partner this year, does is it basically the same guy all season long, or does it switch up all the time? Same guy as last year, even uh, because probably would have been together on the on the club on the U17s uh, last year. Does it change, or is it the same guy? Oh, uh, well, we got we have a seven D this year. Uh, we lost the defensive from last year, so last year was usually like Drew Hollison I compared with. Um, so we go, we usually roll with like two, two different people each time. And this year it's usually like Drew Hollison and then Case McCarthy. Um, okay. but I mean, I've played with pretty much everybody on the team this year. So. All right. Fair enough. You've got 21 points so far in 42 games as we're speaking right now. Um, now I don't think you're expected to be a, an offensive dynamo out there, but you give me, uh, what the, the job description is for you. What sort of a player are you and, and what's expected of you? Um, yeah, I think, I think I'm, uh, Solid two-way defenseman. Um, definitely play defense, defense first. You know, just trying to make sure I take care of my own zone, take care of the team back there. Um, but when I have the opportunity to, uh, you know, I'll carry the puck up in the rush. I'll get the pucks to the net. I'll try and make plays up front because uh, I definitely do have some offensive flair that I that I add to my game. So I think uh, overall, I just try to be a well-rounded defenseman. Well, and so many offensive weapons on the team, you it, you don't really have to uh, supply that offense. When you look at the rest of this club, I mean, that you must uh, maybe you're used to it by now, but you can recognize there's there's a lot of ultra talented people on this club. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, when you're when you're looking up the lineup chart and you see like all these names on our team, it's crazy. Like, um, to just to just know that you'll got, you'll have those guys on your side when you're playing against the other team and, um. I think some you know some games our team will be our offensive guys will be will be going hard and you know splitting up a ton of points. Some sometimes they won't be, and that's the time when you know other guys step up to the plate, start putting the points up. But I think overall, like our team, everybody contributes to the to the stat sheet, and uh, I don't think there's one person that's really left out at the end of the at the end of the day. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. When you're in practice, uh, maybe it gets pretty competitive at times, I'm sure. Uh, you look at the forwards on your team. Who gives you the most trouble during practice? Um, I don't know. There's a lot of guys. Like, you know, yeah. Hughes is obviously going to, going to be out there, you know, burn, burn with speed. And, you know, he's, he's a, he's a tough one to, to handle in the corners as well. Uh, Turcotte, you know, he's, he's a bull on escapes. He's just like a, an absolute horse when he's working down low. Um, I think, I mean, like I said, like almost everybody is <laughs> pretty tricky to take on one of you one sometimes. So, all right, uh, it's it's really cool. Now, tell me about Boston University as your uh, college of choice, and uh, the sheet I'm looking at at Elite Prospects says 2020 dash 21 is the year for you to go there. Are you uh, so um, that wouldn't be next season? Um, are you ready to go next year if if it opened up for you? And um, what's maybe what's your plan for next season? Yeah, I am going next year. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know if I think I don't know if that's accurate or not, but yeah, I'm pretty. Sure, I mean, <laughs> I'm going next year, so. Um, okay. I just kind of chose it. Uh, BU's always been one of the schools that, I, that I've been looking at when I was a, when I was first starting to look at colleges. I, I was just attracted to it by you know the great the great hockey program it has the the atmosphere it has out East Coast in the city. So, uh, you know that was a huge one. I think you know school is obviously a really good school. So. Um, I think it'll be something that that's new for me and just a great experience. Well, and, uh, lots of uh, guys from the program end up going out there uh, and playing for the Terriers. So it was 
far from a, a trailblazer in that regard. Uh, I do have to ask you, the London Knights and the uh, Ontario Hockey League hold your your Canadian Hockey League rights, and uh, they are a team that is uh, all, all seems to always uh, get players from the program as well, so it wouldn't surprise anybody uh, if uh, if that was an option that you were still considering. Uh, how do you feel about the London Knights? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, it was definitely an honor to get, uh, you know, drafted by them. Um, but I think right now, I'm just trying to, you know, stick with the school where I was going to BU, um, and, uh, just plan my way through that. Uh, you know, obviously, like I said, wanted to, an incredible hockey program, a hockey, an incredible hockey team. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's on my radar at the moment. All right, very good. Uh, just a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind, uh, Alex. I know you got a busy schedule today, so I'll, I'll try not to, to keep you much longer. But uh, with the NHL draft, is it something that you uh, you spend a lot of time thinking about? I mean, with so many guys on your team uh, ranked so high, is it a topic of conversation in the dressing room? Um, you know, not really. I think coming at the coming at the start of the year, coaches kind of talked to us a little bit about that and said that uh, you know there'd obviously be a lot of talk about about our team and about where guys are going, but they kind of said to just kind of stay clear of that, stay stay away from the, the gossip uh, on the draft and try not to let it get out of your head because a lot of people do get affected by it. So I'm just kind of trying to keep a, try to keep a straight focus on, you know, what's to come up in April. Uh, and once, uh, once that goes by, I think, you know, start thinking about the draft a little bit more. But as of right now, I try to try to stay out of that stuff. Uh, and as a Chicago guy, did you grow up a, a Blackhawks fan, or did you uh, secretly have that San Jose Sharks uh, T-shirt on underneath? Uh, yeah, I'm almost always a San Jose Sharks fan, um, just because, uh, like you said, like my cousin plays uh, on the team, so yeah, we go to short, we go to Chicago games, and we'd be uh, we'd be rooting for the Sharks there. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely a Sharks fan uh, for for right now. Excellent. Alex, I really appreciate your time. Wish you the best of luck the rest of the way this year, and uh, hope we can talk uh, again down the road. All right. Thank you for having me on. Here's big Alex Vlasic from uh, Team USA's, the U18 program, the national development team. Had a uh, a conversation with uh, a couple of, well, one scout, one media guy, uh, I want to say about a month ago. And uh, I won't say who those people were because they didn't, uh, it wasn't on the record, really. But uh, some compare some comparison uh, between a couple of U.S. Uh, team defensemen this year to uh, K. Andre Miller and uh, Bodie Wild last year, and um, one of the scouts that I spoke with uh, well this year was uh, in reference to uh, Cam York and uh, and Alex Vlasic, and the comparison was kind of to last year where K. Andre Miller was the guy who was gaining all the buzz and steam at the second half of the season. And that that guy is Alex Vlasic this year. And earlier on, it was Bodie Wild, and uh, this year being Cam York. And that uh, it was kind of split between people on which guy that they preferred. I think if you went back and did last year's draft again, K. Under Miller would get taken before Bodie Wild every time, as he did. So we'll see how it plays out for Alex Vlasic and Cam York this year. York did just have that big seven-point game uh, about a month ago. But Vlasic has been uh, very intriguing and more of a, the stay-at-home guy. He's got an offensive dimension to his game, as he mentioned. But I think uh, most people are looking at him, especially compared to York, as uh, a guy you're going to think of more as a defensive guy at the next level. This 2019 draft spotlight uh, also served as the NCAA campus report as Vlasic uh, scheduled to go to Boston University, as you heard him say. 
If you or someone in your family is looking at uh, playing college hockey, want to know all the ins and outs and what you are and what you're not allowed to do, make sure you go to collegehockeyinc.com. And a great resource, and it will point you in the right direction. Uh, Lots of contact uh, information there as well if you need to get a hold of somebody at College Hockey Inc. You can do that. One more segment to go on this episode of the show, and it is another 2019 draft spotlight. Up next, goaltender Ethan Anders of the Red Deer Rebels. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. Down the left side, pass over to Ashton. Oh, what a stop! Darcy Kemper, what a gutsy performance this evening at the NMAX Centrio. This is Cam Moon, voice of the Red Deer Rebels, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Cuts to center ice, breaking right wing. They work the puck on side, drop it for Rabinsky. Rabinsky cutting to that. Backhand shot scores! Henrik Rabinsky, his first goal as a T-Bird, is an overtime winner. And Seattle, for the first time this season, has earned the extra point in overtime. Hey, this is Brandon Ewan Cheshen with the Junior Prospect of the Week, brought to you by Silent Air. This week is Vancouver, B.C. native, 2001-born forward Henrik Rybinski. The 17-year-old who was ranked 129th by NHL Central Scouting for the upcoming draft in Vancouver enters his third season in the Western Hockey League, his first with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Rybinski has 20 points through 22 games played this season. Uh, I think I work really hard out there on the ice. I go hard on the forecheck and just... Just play hard and try to win win my battles. There you have it, the Junior Prospect of the Week, brought to you by Silent Air. Go check out Henrik Rybinski and the rest of the T-Birds as they host the Portland Winterhawks this Saturday night down at the Excesso Showwear Center. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with... If one of y'all says some silly-ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Guy Flaming. We're back on the Pipeline Show. This is Guy Flaming, and it's uh, time for another 2019 Draft Spotlight. It's also our In the Dub segment, as uh, my guest is from the WHL. Uh, In the Dub is brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening across the Western Hockey League, uh, dubnetwork.ca, a great place uh, to uh, start your day. Uh, My guest today is uh, one of the top goaltenders out of the WHL uh, period, let alone guys who are eligible for the 2019 draft uh, from that goaltending position. Uh, Ethan Anders of the Red Deer Rebels, my guest. Uh, welcome to the show. Ethan, how are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you today. Things right now for the Rebels, you look at the standings and, well, it's been a rough couple of weeks that the U.S. road trip has uh, has uh, been a, a difficult thing for a lot of teams uh, and it didn't work out the, all that well for you guys. Uh, just what's the uh, the mood like for the team right now? Um, surprisingly, the mood's pretty good. We know we have to go out there and win, win a lot of games for the rest of the season, so uh, it's been a good mood. It was a tough road trip for us. Uh, State's teams are solid. They're really good teams down there, so we went out there. We played. We thought we played pretty well for the most part, and the results just weren't there, so we just got to keep going. 
Well, you're not the only team. The All Kings went earlier this year and went 0 for 6 uh, with a, a loss also in Kootenay attached to that road trip. So it, it's a difficult one, and it's for me it's it's uh, hard because it's a lot of games in a short period of time with a lot of travel as well. Do you, do you look at it that way too? Um, yeah, I do for sure. We we got stuck in a place called Hood River. Yeah. <laughs> for um, I think it was about 10 hours or so, and our game got canceled on the Wednesday against Everett. Yeah. So we had to play a three and three on the weekend. Which was made our schedule a lot tougher, but um, I thought we did all right considering our schedule for sure. Yeah, we saw all the tweets about that. Uh, Mooner was uh, it kept that one going. Uh, it was it was yeah. Mooner made sure the Twitter page was uh, flowing with those tweets for sure. Yeah, I was uh, I thought maybe they'd change uh, the name of Hood River to Moon River. That would have been uh, <laughs> fitting for him. Um, all right, well, let's get back to the hockey and uh, uh, this season overall. Uh, the the standings in the Central Division just unbelievably close uh, the way it is uh, right now. Edmonton has a nine point lead on you guys, uh, but there's five teams all fighting it out right now for position. And then now suddenly the Brandon Weekings are back involved in the mix. How much time do you guys spend looking at standings or watching the scoreboard? Um, we have a big board in our uh, weight room with all the standings. So whenever we go in for a workout or something, it's right there. So we always take a look, always look at the scores every night if teams are playing so we are well aware of what's going on and yeah we just know it's everything's tight so we could either end up in top in our division if we fall things go the right way or we could be out of playoffs so it's could go either way which is kind of which is scary but also exciting guys it's like playoff game every game so yeah i think every guy will get up for every game so it'll be good that's a good way of looking at it and this weekend right back at it uh with a home and home against the oil kings um, it's when it comes to uh, rivals for the Red Deer Rebels, how close to the top are the Oil Kings? I know for Edmonton, Edmonton uh, Red Deer is the closest rival, so there might be the 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 arch rival there. Although you know you have Battle of Alberta in five different cities, uh, who is the arch rival for the Rebels? I honestly would have to say Edmonton would be up there for sure. Edmonton's a big rival of ours. We play them however like seven or eight times a year. It's always hard-fought battle each time, so I'd definitely have to say Edmonton's probably one of the top ones for sure. Excellent. Uh, Ethan, what we like to do in this part of the show is uh, let my audience get to know somebody that's draft-eligible like you are, and uh, the audience is across North America, so there'll be people in the States or out in Ontario or on the East Coast who will be hearing this. They might not know all the WHL guys uh, like uh, like we do out here, so let's get a bit of background if you don't mind. Uh, where are you from? Um, I'm from Regina, Saskatchewan. Okay, and do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey? Um, I think I started playing when I was about three, and I think I picked up the position of goaltending around uh, 10. 10, actually came to goaltender a little bit late then. Uh, what what brought you to the uh, uh, to put the mask on? Um, I think it was we were playing some spring league hockey, and uh, guys were taking turns going goalie. Just kind of, it was up for whoever wanted to play. So I think I played a couple games and I really enjoyed it. So I just next next season I went with goaltending instead of player and continued that career. How did your parents take that choice? Um, they were supportive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they were really supportive through it all. So that was awesome. All right. Well, that's good to have uh, the the parents' support. Um, I know when I talk to other goaltenders, a lot of them will tell me they the uh, getting to put on the gear and and you know wear the pads and the glove and the mask and uh, that was kind of. Uh, uh, what interested, what intrigued them to first try it? Uh, was it something similar for you? Uh, yeah, for sure. I like. I'm a bit of a gear, not a gear geek, but I like. I like gear. I like. I know what all my specs are on my pads. I like to have that kind of 
personalization you can do with the position. Mm-hmm. And then also getting a nice painted mask is also a big plus. Well, and that's a big thing this year for you guys in Red Deer. This is the first year I think that uh, Brent has let the goalies paint their mask. I don't know if he's getting soft in his older age. That's that's me <laughs> saying I'm not going to put that in your mouth. But do you know why he's uh, he's kind of softened that stance? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say he's softened up one bit, but <laughs> I think he's that more lenient on certain kind of rules he used to have, like the gear. I've had partners was able to get color in his gear. I didn't. I think I ordered mine earlier, and the I don't know exactly the details of it, but I didn't get color in my gear. And then um, now we got painted helmets, so yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Oh, that's good. Uh, Ethan Anders, my guest, he plays for the Red Deer Rebels. Um, now, usually I'll ask guys about uh, their uh, WHL Bantam Draft Day experience and and what it was like for them. I know some guys get to stay home from school and, and kind of follow it on, uh, or they're at class and they're following it on on their phone or or whatever. You weren't drafted, so what was draft day like for you? Um, draft day was, uh, I think, a normal day for me. I went to school. We all I had a bunch of buddies um, who also got drafted. I think I had my, one of my close buddies went in the first round, and I think he did the same thing. He went to school, just kind of treated it like a normal day and just watched the draft. And, um, yeah, I just kind of watched it, saw what happened. And uh, I wasn't too disappointed not getting drafted. No? I just knew I had more options to go kind of wherever, whoever wanted me. So I think that worked out in my favor for sure. Well, definitely. And now you're one of the uh, the post-child uh, guys where we can say the, the, the ban of draft is great. But if you don't get drafted, keep working hard. And for you, uh, a follow-up uh, season with uh, the Tisdale Trojans in the SMHL and uh, a really good strong playoff run. And then uh, the Red Deer Rebels come calling after that year, or when did he kind of get listed by the Rebels? Um, I got listed in the middle of January, I believe, in that year. Okay. Of the midget year, yeah. So I got listed in January, and then I came up for about a week, I think, after our season ended, just to come up and practice and get a feel for what this league is like. So I think that was good for me to come up and just kind of get a feel for things before I came up next season for camp. How big of a jump was it to, to finally get to the WHL? How different is the hockey? Um, it's just everything was just a little bit faster. Shots were a little bit harder. Um, you practice more, you play more. But it wasn't. I think it took me. It didn't take me too long to get adjusted for it because you had a lot of time in camp and preseason. I think when regular season rolled around, I felt felt like I was uh, ready for ready to play in the league. So. Uh, Ethan Anders of the uh, Red Deer Rebels, uh, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, draft eligible this year, and maybe we can uh, touch on that and how much you're thinking about the draft. Is it uh, always kind of in the back of your head, or do you try to avoid thinking about it? Um, I try to avoid thinking about it as much as possible, but it's always kind of lingering in the back of your head. But I just know if I go out and I just kind of play my game and play the way I can play every night, it, uh, things will work out by the end of the season. So that's all I just kind of worry about. Things will take care of itself. And when I talk to goalies, I, I kind of, you know, if you were a defenseman, I could ask if you're a stay-at-home guy or a two-way defenseman. If you're a forward, you know, are you a power forward or a uh, playmaker? As a goaltender, how do you describe yourself as a goaltender? Because to some degree, you're all butterfly goalies now, and um, I, I don't know that there's a lot of differences between goalies. So how how do you describe it yourself uh, and the way you play? Um, yeah, that's very true. There's not a whole lot of differences between too many goalies anymore, but I'd have to say I'm a pretty technical guy okay. for the most part. I feel like I'm pretty technically sound, and I feel like I move pretty well. 
but so does so does every other goalie nowadays. So <laughs> yeah, it's hard to it's hard to describe yourself as a goalie now, but yeah, it's definitely pretty technical and athletic for sure. Well, it's a really good year in the WHL for uh, for the NHL draft. Lots of guys expected to go in the first round, and and uh, even the goaltending position there. What about five or six of guys out of the Western Hockey League? I think we all expect to get drafted. Um, do you know the other guys, the other goaltenders in the league very well? Do you cross paths with some of those guys? Um, yeah, I definitely I cross paths with a few of them actually. Um, I just from summer camps and working with certain people, you meet those guys. Um, I know certain guys like uh, Roman Bazran pretty well. Yeah. Um, Adam Evanoff off of Moose Jaw. Yeah. And then I played hockey minor hockey against and with uh, Dean McNabb off of Regina. Okay, so the, yeah, there's a few guys there. Uh, they aren't even the, the higher-ranked guys, but uh, uh, well, Roman Bazarin is, is ranked pretty high too, but um, pretty strong year in the in the Western Hockey League for shooters as well, and uh, I know you've you've had some guys in your club that have uh, gone through the draft before, and, and I don't know if you've picked the brains of uh, of guys like Brian and Hagel and just what the, the draft day experience is like for what, what it was like for those guys to kind of get yourself prepared. Uh, yeah, for sure. I just kind of, I had one of my best friends um, went through that last year, the okay. draft, and he's, yeah, he just, I was with him kind of, I hung out with him a lot, so I knew what he was going through and thought processes, thought processes and stuff like that, so it was, uh, it was good to have a good friend like that to go through it, so you kind of know what to expect when your time comes around. Who was that? Um, Alex Kanek Liepert. He oh got yeah, in Vancouver. To Washington, I think, in the sixth round. Yeah, from the Giants in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, between now and the end of the season, uh, outside of obviously getting into the playoffs and and uh, leading the Rebels as far as you can, uh, what's uh, on your to do list? Uh, are there some boxes still to check off in terms of uh, things you want to accomplish, maybe on a personal level? Um, for sure, I got goals, um, personal goals, just for uh, kind of statistics. Wise, I wouldn't mind like for just kind of trying to get the goals against average uh, under three, try and keep it under three for the rest of the year, get it down there. And then um, save percentage, I would like to get that up to 9.15 by the end of the year, which would which would be awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, there's uh, still, what do you guys have, about uh, 12 games left to go, something like that? So, yeah, we got 12, yeah, we got 12 games left here. Yeah, pretty exciting stretch drive uh, for sure, especially within the Central Division. Well, Ethan, listen, I really appreciate your time. I should ask you before you go, um, growing up, did you have a favorite NHL team? Um, I was a big Flames fan. I liked uh, Kippersoff a lot growing up. So. Oh, Mika Kippersoff, of course, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Ethan. Uh, wish you the best of luck. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me on. That was awesome. There's Ethan Anders, netminder with the Red Deer Rebels, as I mentioned, ranked 13th by NHL Central Scouting. But uh, for me, uh, he should be ranked higher than that. I've seen this guy stand on his head, and uh, he's a he's a terrific goaltender, really athletic. Again, not the biggest guy in the world though. It's uh, at six one, so below that six two magic line in the sand that some scouts seem to have. Uh, but there's a lot of goaltenders in the draft this year, really good goaltenders who are this size, maybe even a little smaller for some of them. But six uh, one, not too small to be an NHL goaltender in my mind. Again, not a scout. I host a podcast. That's going to wrap up this week's edition of the Pipeline Show. Thanks to the four guests that you heard from next week. Uh, the answer to the question, which uh, USHL team do you want to hear more from? Uh, we'll figure who that, out who that is. You can uh, vote on that at TPS underscore Geet. Not really a poll that to vote on, but let me know which uh, team you would like to hear uh, somebody from. 
more 2019 draft spotlights. We'll uh, have another a CHL guest or two, one from the WHL for sure, and uh, a college guest as we like to bring every week on the show too, whether he's in college now or headed that way, like Alex Vlasic is, uh, who we uh, chatted with earlier in this episode. Reminder, if you haven't signed up to be a patron yet, you can get early access uh, to the show. All these interviews have been available for the last three or four days for those who have signed up to be patrons. Uh, real small, like uh, like two bucks a month, uh, will qualify you for uh, to, to get early access. You can do that through the Patreon program, the website, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash the pipeline show. But to listen to the show and subscribe through iTunes or SoundCloud or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts from on the podcast app on your phone, that is free, always has been, always will be. The Patreon program, uh, completely voluntary. If you appreciate uh, the content of the show and you want to make sure the show uh, keeps going, uh, that's how you can do that and help out. But if you just want to listen to the show, that's fine too. Just continue doing what you've been doing to this point. All right, that wraps it up. We'll talk to you next week. Between now and then, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that we can chat about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Have a great week.